God is our good, great God that we serve. That song more or less serves as an introduction to my lesson today. Thank you, Tim, for selecting that song. Yes, His grace reaches me. Wow, we have a great and awesome God who is with us, who walks with us and loves us. And more than ever, doing the Bible class this morning, also thinking about Christ in the Old Testament. And seeing, even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, what Jesus would do for us going on the cross. And how that one moment in time changed our lives forever. Changed the lives of all those who lived in the Old Testament. And changed all the lives of those of us who live in the New Testament. That very act of Jesus on the cross. One of the commentaries that I was reading about that, when I was talking about that, talking about this great plan that God made before the beginning of time in Titus chapter 1. One of the greatest things I read about that lately is that you imagine all that Jesus went through on the cross, all the suffering, all the beating, all the humiliation. See, I'm using the words the class gave me this morning, so it helps a lot. All of those things that Jesus went through, and he suffered, and he went on the cross, and it says that we could not even recognize him on the cross because of how bad he was beaten. And with all of that happening, and all that happened to him on the cross at that very moment, It says that the snake bit his heel and he stomped out and crushed the snake's head. What does that mean? Thinking of all that Jesus did, thinking of all that Satan was doing to Jesus, having people mock him and talk about him and all of the suffering he went through. When Jesus raised from the dead, all of those things that he suffered was just like a little bite on the heel. Compared to what he is today, he is our Lord. He is our Savior. Romans chapter 1 says that is the power of the gospel that he raised from the dead. And that we have the opportunity to be with him is the greatest grace that we could ever be given. Because we are sinners. And we understand that our lives have not pleased God. And the more we understand that, the more we understand that we need a Savior. The more we understand that we need grace, the more we understand we understand that we need mercy. And this morning, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that his grace reaches every one of us. And his grace can reach any person in this world. I want us to think about three passages this morning, thinking about what grace is and what it does to us in our lives. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. He said that this happened to me so that we would understand that even we could have the opportunity to be with the Lord. But I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 and understand that it's his grace that transforms us into workers into his kingdom. Open with me in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 as I read for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its evil desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving objects of wrath. Now, I don't know about you. That's hard to take in. 
We want to be objects of God's grace. We want to be objects of God's mercy. But in the end, because of our worldly passions, our wanting to gratify ourselves, we are objects of wrath before God and what we have done. You know, it's kind of like this. And he says, when he says in those verses this, this morning, he says, we used to live in those ways. We used to be that way. And you know what? How can you apply that to what kind of way is he talking about there? Have you ever heard anybody say, You ain't going to tell me what to do. You ever, parents ever heard your children say that to you? You ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I like to do it. Okay, well, great. But remember, if it's not God's way, it has big consequences. Not only that, it says this, I will live my life how I want. Nothing is going to hurt me. Another way that we say these things, and then there's also the big, in my time, it was whatever. I don't know if it is now for the teens, if they say something else, but you know, when you tell somebody something, or especially your kids, and they go, whatever, you know you shouldn't do that, whatever. Oh man, God help me not to have that kind of attitude when it comes about you, Lord. Lord God, I know that I struggle with desires of the flesh We battle with the flesh each and every day. Peter says we're in a battle daily against our flesh. But we have God's spirit in our lives. And we don't want to get to the point where we just say, whatever, Lord, I'm going to live how I want to live. Or whatever, Lord, I'm going to do what I want to do. But Lord God, may it always be what you want to do. Now, my my daughter, okay, and, and I promise you, I'm not one to use my kids in preachings almost very little, okay, because I don't want to embarrass them too much. But I'm not embarrassing her this morning. But we were watching a movie this week. And as we were watching that movie, after the movie, I asked her, how about that movie? What would you think about it? And she said, does every single person have to hit rock bottom before they become a Christian? And I thought, well, you know what? That's a good question. Because, you know, a lot of times with most of the stories we hear of people converting, we hear that they've come out of something bad or or have done really bad things and they've converted and they've given their lives to the Lord and we praise God for that. But the question was a very good question because I told her, I said, we don't have to hit rock bottom. Unfortunately, the reality is in this world, most of us choose not to do God's will and therefore we hit rock bottom. But if we can choose to do the Lord's will, We don't even have to hit the rock bottom. But you know what? Maybe a lot of times the question is, well, do I have to have some big, huge experience to understand who God is? The greatest experience that you can have is to understand from God's word that you are a sinner, that we are sinners and that we are in need of God. And you know what? The quicker we understand that in our lives, boy, Lord, help me to run to you. I don't want to go through the things that others gone through. And parents, have your kids ever thrown that up to you before? Well, you did it. You did that. You can't say anything. And you could say one of two things. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead and do it also. Or no, I don't want you to go through the things I had to because of my decisions. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the earlier that we understand, as it says, (laughs) For the salary, for the wages of death, wages of sin is death. Tim knows every time I seek it out, I'm seeking it in Portuguese because I always said salary. So I'm trying to say the right words. 
But I want us to think about what he's saying here. When we come to the perspective that we are in need, that we are not deserving, that we don't deserve any of God's grace because of our sinfulness. And we understand, look what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at the picture before us. You, by nature, were objects of wrath. Oh, man. Paul would say, who's going to save me from this body of death? Woo! Thanks be to Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, what hope can I give you and give myself if we are objects of wrath and because we've gone away from God and not done God's will in our lives? The hope is that that old lifestyle is gone in our lives and that we live a new lifestyle. But above all, when we understand that we were objects of wrath, we understand the gift of grace even more so. The gift of grace. Jesus would say, who's been forgiven much loves little. Who's been forgiven a lot loves a lot. And the more and the quicker, the quicker that we understand that we have been forgiven of all things through Jesus Christ. And have our faith in him to live with him. The better. But look what he says here in Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us. Amen. Whew, objects of wrath. We were under the ruler of the prince of this darkness under Satan. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. There is nothing that you can do to get there. It is by God's ultimate grace of the sacrifice on the cross. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God has raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And seated us there in those realms in order that in the coming ages that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, Lord. Can you imagine... God, we look at ourselves, we understand we're sinners, we don't understand to come to the table. But you invite us to the table and we get to have the opportunity to be with you at the table in the kingdom of God. Lord God, I don't deserve to be here and have our opportunity to be with you, Lord. But because of your great kindness, because of your great mercy, I am here today, Lord. We are here today to praise you for what you have done. Lord God, you have taken us out of darkness into your wonderful light. You have seated us in the heavenly realms with your church, with brothers and sisters in Christ who have come to understand one thing. We're not good enough. We'll never be good enough. But we have a Savior who loves us and says, I love you. And it's not based on your goodness. It's based on my mercy. It's based on, and I love this word because Frank Blackerby talked about this word before he was in the hospital. He said, Mark, there's two things the church needs. And I can remember both of them. I can only remember the one I want to say right now. But one of them is be kind. Be gentle and be kind. There he is. Be gentle And be kind. And look what it says there. In the kindness of him. Expressed in his kindness to us. In Christ Jesus. God we were objects of wrath. We didn't deserve it. We deserve not to be with you Lord in heaven. 
Our ways are leading us to hell if we don't turn to you, if we don't give our lives to you, if we don't understand the grace that we've been given. But Lord God, you loved us so much that you made it evident. And how evident did God make it? Man, Ronald, I'm glad you brought up thought about the lesson. Christ in the Old Testament. God has been thinking of us from the Old Testament, New Testament, throughout all of time, even before time. To say, you know what, they're going to mess up, but I love them so much, I'm going to give my son so that they may have life if they believe in him. And wow, what a grace that we have received. This grace that we have received, this grace not only does that to us, to us it transform us, transforms us, as it says in 2 verses 8 through 10. Look what it says here. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can you understand? Can we see together that God says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to change you, and you know what? You're not going to be able to work for it. You're not going to be able to do enough good deeds. You're not going to be able to do enough good things in your life, but have faith in me. Accept the gift that you've been given in Christ Jesus. And you know what? When we get the gift, what do we do with the gift of grace that we give? Oh, we're just going to do this to the great gift that we've got. Look what he says. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The grace that we have received doesn't mean I'll just sit down and live my life however I want now I believed. The grace that I've received in Christ Jesus says, Lord God, what do you have prepared for me? Let me walk in you. Let me live different than I lived before. Paul would talk to those who were repentant. He said, man, you showed your repentance by the good deeds and the things that you have done. For it is by grace we have been saved, not by works. Good Lord, I can't do it by my works. But now, Lord, because of who you are and what you've done, I can work for you each and every day because of your great grace for me. Lord God, help me to be transformed by your grace every day. Lord God, help me to be ready and be willing when you give me a call, Lord, to serve, to serve the way you want me to, to encourage or whatever it is, whatever the talents that God has given each and every one of you, whatever they are, the grace of God, as it says here, says that we are his workmanship. That means we're in it together. And I need the body, each one of you, to help me along my way as well. And that we can help along one another. This grace that we have received says, wow, God, you still have store in store stuff for me to do. Melba the other day, she said she was talking to another guy there at at the hospital. I kind of saved her the other day. She said, that's what Johnny and Jenny said, uh, it was her first day in the wheelchair walking down through the hallway, through the hallway, and, and she was tired, and she was worn out. So when she saw Mark and Sue get there, she said, hey, I'm here, I'm here, push me back to the room. And the, 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 and the, the lady said, I'll get you back later, Miss Melba, okay? But Melba says, all those things that happened to me, and I'm still here, God still has purpose for me. Amen? God still has purpose. As long as we have breath, brothers and sisters in Christ... We are God's workmanship, creating him to Christ Jesus to do good works. Lord God, what can I do? Lord, I can't do this anymore, but there is something that I can do. 
Even if it's praying, Lord, if, that's, if I'm not able to get out or go anywhere, but if I can still pray, Lord, for someone, give me the ability to pray, to encourage as the way you want me to, Lord. But this grace not only transforms us into workers of God, this grace also teaches us. And Joe, if you'd like to turn there with me. It teaches us to be different. The grace of God that we receive is not something that we just receive and say, well, now what do I do with that? How am I supposed to live with this grace? How, what am I supposed to do? How, how can I show that I've been saved? How can I show that this grace is effective in my life? What can I do in my life, Lord, just to show you each and every day? Look what Paul will say in Titus chapter 2. When Paul is writing the, the, Titus in chapter 2, and he's talking about all kinds of people, the older men and younger men, older women and younger women, and he's talking about to Titus himself, and he's also talking to slaves and masters and talking about everything and all of those uh, uh, aspects. And he says, now look, and above all, whatever you do, live the life of Christ no matter where you are. If you have a good boss or you're a bad boss, you still have to live the life of Christ. If you have a bad day or a good day, still remember that Christ is with you. And when somebody makes you angry, try to show Christ and not the anger that's within ourselves. Look what he says here in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Uh, And not to steal to them, but to show them that they can be fully trusted, so that every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Now verse 11. For the grace of God, listen to what he says, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to some people. Just the privileged, just those who are good people. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Amen. Everyone is worthy of God's grace. The grace of God has appeared to all men to offer salvation to all people. Even the worst of sinners, as Paul would call himself. And this grace that we have received in Christ Jesus, our Lord, he says this, it teaches us, his grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Lord God, help me to no longer live for myself. Help me no longer to live as the world lives. May the world be taken out of me and may Christ be living in me. May I look to you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength each and every day, Lord. Help me to say, as it says here, no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Is that easy? Oh, no, it's not. We live in a generation, we live in a time where we want everything our way. You know, have it your way. Is that what Burger King says or McDonald's? And all of those different places and all these kinds of things. Have it your way. Have it this way. And all of those things that happen in our lives under where we live now. And all those things happening that make it hard for us to understand that there is an ungodly life. And there is a worldly life that is around us. And he's saying, no longer live in that way. No to ungodliness and worldly passions. But to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. In this present age. The grace of God teaches us brothers and sisters. This is how we should live. Upright. Self-controlled. And godly. Godly in a world that says anything goes. Upright in a world that says 
to, to live upright even when the world says it's not the most popular thing to do. To live self-controlled in an impulse generation. All of these things, Lord uh, God, God has taught us. That we may look to him, that we may seek him, that we may be able to live different than this world. Lord God, may I look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, and remember that your grace has appeared to all men. May I be able to extend grace to all men. May my life show that I have lived by grace and not by hatred, but may I live by your grace, Lord. May the forgiveness I've received, I can extend to others, Lord. May I live a life different than I did before. Because of who you are, Lord, help me to say no and help me to live upright. Help me to live godly. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word to guide me and to direct me and to help me to go on to doing these things, Lord. But look what he says above all. Do these things in the future. Oh, well, when I get better at it, I'll do it better. No, in this present age, at this very moment. So God, help me to reflect in my own life. What battles am I in? What temptations do I have? Lord God, help me to say no to those things. Lord God, help me to be and say yes to you. Help me to say no to you when it's not popular with the people around me. That you may be glorified above all. Peter would say, live such good lives among the pagans that when they curse you in the end, they will give praise to you because they can't say anything bad about you. Because of the life that you lived in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that one day they will even give praise to God. Lord God, may my life, by your grace, cause other people to live different. To live for him. But not only that, look what he says here. As we wait. And he says here, the appearing of his glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Eager to do what is good. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from what? All wickedness. And to purify for himself a people. Brothers and sisters, we were all in the dark. We were all in wickedness. We were separate and object natures of wrath of God. But God loved us so much and showed his kindness so much that he sent his son Jesus that he could save us and redeem us from our sins so that we could just sit on sit on the grace that we've had. No, to live that grace each and every day. And you know what that should be is our gospel message each and every day. The grace of God should be our motivation every single day of our lives. Joe, if you hit that for us, Paul in first Corinthians chapter 15, he's going to say what motivates what gets him going? Have you ever asked that question? What gets you going? What, what makes you tick? You know, when you see somebody that they enjoy something that they do and they get up all fired up about it. What makes that thing so, so vibrant for you? What makes that so vivid for you? So living for you? That man, we can see it in your life that you love it. That you talk about it. That you, you read about it. You do things that even help in that area, whatever it is. But what is it that motivates you to do whatever it is that you do? Look what Paul says here. It's his motivation in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look what Paul says. He's going to go back to one simple thing. It's the very first thing that we talked about this, this morning when Jesus was on the cross. When he gave the devil a tragic blow to the head. 1 Corinthians 15, he says this. Now, brothers and sisters, verse 1. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you 
have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you will have believed in vain. Lord God, help me to hold firm to that grace each and every day. Help me not to use it and say that it is a cheap grace. Help me, Lord, to remember if we deliberately keep on sinning, there is no for sin left offering for sin left, Lord. Help me, Lord, not to return to a, 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 as a dog to his vomit. Lord, help me, as it says here, to stand firmly in you, to hold firmly to the word that was preached to me, that it was the gospel. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Lord God, may I never take your grace for advantage of my own. As Paul would say in Romans chapter 6, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. You were buried with him in baptism to new life. Look what he says here. For what I received, verse 3, I pass on to you as first of importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried according to the scriptures, and on the third, raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that, that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After this, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, through whom, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. Paul saying, Christ appeared to me finally after appearing to all of these others. But what did the impact of knowing Jesus change in Paul's life? What caused him to go and do the things that he did? To work as hard as he did. When we see, when we see the New Testament, we see so many books written by Paul. We see the life of Paul in the book of Acts, along with others. But look what he says here in verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9, uh, chapter 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Perhaps in your life, you're thinking, I am the least person deserving of the name Christian. I have done some terrible things in my life. Lord God, I have even persecuted. I have even made fun of you and those who follow your way. Lord God, there, there is no hope for me because of the way I was and the things that I did. But, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. But the grace of God that was within me. What's Paul saying? Did I deserve it? No. Did I receive his grace? Yes. And I received his grace. And what did his grace do in my life? It motivated me. His grace motivated me. By the grace of God, I am who I am now. Who am I in Christ? I am God's child. I am in the kingdom of light. I am no longer in the darkness. All because of God's grace and what Jesus did on the cross. It is because of that moment that I am different. That I have the opportunity for salvation. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, because we believe in him, we have put our faith on in him, we have obeyed the gospel. We understand that now that we have that grace in our lives, by the grace of God, I am who I am, Lord. I'm yours. Wow, I'm yours, Lord. And now that I'm yours, Lord, as he says here, may your grace be to me without effect. May your grace work. 
May your grace be evident in my life. How can I make your grace evident in my life, Lord? By being together with the Lord's church. By praying to the Lord daily. By when we are struggling with sin, to look to the Lord and seek brothers and sisters in Christ who can help us. To not give in and to not give up when sin and temptation comes its way. How can I make sure that this grace is not without effect, Lord? Lord God, when there's an opportunity to serve, let me feel it. Let me use the abilities and the talents that you've given me, whatever they are, to serve you, Lord. May your grace be different in my life. May your grace motivate me. And he says, your grace was not effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Paul wasn't trying to show off. He was just saying, you want to know what makes me work? You want to know what makes me going? It's this. The grace of God that was within me. Brothers and sisters, may the grace of God in you make you work harder than you ever thought you could. And do things more than you ever thought that you could. Because it's not about us, it's about him. And when we read the passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Wow. That is available. That is truth. But it's true when we truly understand that we have his grace, we live by his grace, his grace transforms us, his grace teaches us, his grace motivates us. This morning, if you have not given your life to the Lord, get in God's good grace. He sent his son on the cross to die for all humanity. And in fact, of the very first preaching of this in Acts chapter 2, when the people were cut to the heart and they understood, we are objects of wrath because of our sins that have put the Lord, to the, put the Lord on the cross. Brothers, what shall we do? We may be able to respond just as they did at that time, Peter and the apostles. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And oh man, when you think of the Ethiopian eunuch, when he came up out of the water, he came up out of the water rejoicing. Why was he rejoicing? Because he received God's grace. If you haven't received God's grace, we want you to receive it this morning in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you're in Christ Jesus... May his grace be in you without effect. May his grace be showing. May his grace be radiant in your life. And may his grace motivate us to do better as individuals and as a church to honor and glorify our Lord. We're going to sing a song now. and We know it and we've heard it. But it is amazing. And it truly is amazing grace. We sang it earlier. His grace reaches me. Yes, it actually and truly does reach us. And it reaches for all of us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you need any prayer this morning and you need prayers of forgiveness, we want to pray for you. God's grace is sufficient. When Paul said, oh, good God, take this away from me three times. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient. How is it going to be sufficient when we totally dependent on what God has done for us and his saving grace? If you have any need this morning, come as we stand and sing together. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. 
you can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.